This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over, um, well, I was going to say the weekend for United, but it feels like it's been a long time, Paul, maybe a month or so um, because of my break and, and everything like that. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much, Wayne. Good stuff. Um, as you can see, no tan for me, even though I went to San Francisco and Los Angeles, Rained more than it does in Manchester, but um, I'm not here to complain about that. I'm here to complain about Manchester United. Uh, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions and comments in. If you're watching on the replay, feel free to say hello. We do reply to the comments. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening on. Oh, God. Newcastle 2, Manchester United nil. Paul, it used to be the same, didn't it? Manchester United don't lose, they just run out of time. Too frequently in recent years, it's felt like it doesn't matter how much time you give United, they'll never, ever get back into a game of football. And yesterday seemed like one of those. Um, it felt like we never started. Um, the changes, whenever the changes were made, the first changes and the second lot of changes, they never helped United. Um, even though Martial played slightly better than what Vegos did, Um United never at the races. Newcastle much more aggressive. Afterwards, you've got the comments, you know, Luke Shaw saying they wanted it more than us. Eric Tenog agreeing that that's what it looked like. And, I mean, that was the evidence. It did look like that. Newcastle got the goals from that kind of tenacity that United were desperately lacking on the day. Um, what did you make of it? I mean, a very disappointing result. Um, to be honest, I... I've... Prior to it, I was believing there was going to be something there that United were going to get some form of result from that fixture. I think we have to say that it's been it has been poor. There's been times when they've gone without Casemiro and they've just got over the line. But it do, it did show yesterday that how much difference his influence makes on yeah. Manchester United and the fact of not having a number nine makes a difference as well as. As well as Big Horse has done, and he's done a good job. I think everyone knew his abilities, his actual strengths. No one, you know, people have been moaning about saying this is not what United need, but it was what they needed at that given time. It's getting to the point where it's running its course and it's causing more frustration with people than maybe in what's needed this moment in time. Because at one point, United had to be mentioned with the title. And that's disappeared very, very quickly yeah. over the last three or four games. Um, the Casemiro situation hasn't helped. When you've seen what else has gone on in football, you wonder why he ends up with four games. Um, why? And he has been a big miss. And you, you can see now that help was needed in January just to help that little bit over, get over the line, I should say. And then the other side of it, you have to say now that help is needed in the summer. I mean, big help to really for United to push on and sustain a really good, you know, a really good position from, you know, all of next season, regardless of ups and downs, you want to believe that that when a player goes missing, suspension, injury, that someone's going to come in and ready to go. And, and that's the bit which I think everyone saw yesterday. I saw the team that was named and there wasn't enough energy in that middle of the park not energy I mean more legs quick feet that's why I was surprised that Fred never started yeah. to start with Sabitzer who I think is a decent player and Scott McTominay together just didn't it didn't give me much feeling that United were going to get the win which which my my own predictions were demanding um it was just it was just from what I saw from the team selection and then 
the performance was as bad as it's been in a in a long, long time. There was nothing there. I mean, you've already met, talked about the substitutions, but there you are. That, yeah. That's a that's my little bit around it anyway at this moment. Yeah, a couple of comments coming in. Uh, ben says good morning, morning. Ben, hope you're doing well. He says, I agree, Paul. It feels like we're in danger of the season fading out. Glad we won a trophy already. And Ronak says, since Ericsson was injured, our control of games has gone. No Casemiro on our back line seems so exposed. Lack of a number nine until Martial came on was evident. We need reinforcements. Yeah, I mean, look, let's say first things first. Um, Newcastle deserved the win. They thoroughly deserved the win. I hate when we play against them because Eddie Howe's teams are very horrible to play against, but you also have to give credit where it's due. Um, they haven't spent hundreds of millions of pounds and they've, they're fighting for a Champions League spot based on Eddie Howe making them horrible to play against. And you've got to give him credit for that because he's that's what, what he's done and he's been successful at it. And, uh, you know, it was funny yesterday that in the early stages, they were complaining about the time that De Gea was taking over goal kicks. And I, and I think that was kind of like a, you know, planting the seed for two wrongs, not making a right, so that later on in the game when they get around to doing it, that they, you know, it's just a tight ticket. They, they worked it very well yesterday. United were not at the races. They were very poor. Um, like you said, in all areas of the pitch, really, they, you know, and even the manager, um, normally we don't, give him a lot of criticism when United lose games, but I think he deserved a share of it yesterday because um, when it came to it, I know he spoke after the game and said that the, the sort of wild card changes he made on the 83rd minute, bringing off both of the centre-backs, that it was because we were 1-0 down and you throw the kitchen sink at it, but I felt even then, well, there's no rhyme or reason to this. You, it's not panic stations. They were organised and, and really you were creating panic within our own team. We, it, that only works when you're, you've are you got a rhythm in your team and uh, you're trying to break a, a side down. And, and we weren't at that stage. We, we never had that kind of comfort where you could throw in another chaos element and it would make the backline panic. We had nothing at all. We had one forward in Martial for the last 30 minutes because for the first hour we didn't have one in Vegas and I do wonder without being too worried about the like Ben says the season fading out because you know we've got players to come back and Casemiro will come back and Ericsson will make a big difference I'm sure when he's hopefully imminently due to return but I do look around the play you mentioned Casemiro being a big miss and you look at maybe the effects of the signings that um, Tenog made, which is undeniable, but then you look at the players behind and start to ask the question: How much have they improved really overall a season? Like we early on, we were saying, Dallow's really kicked on. You know, McTominay in the early weeks of the season was playing well, but as soon as he had the stinker against Man City, he was out. He was bombed out, and he was never back in. Fred's responded fairly well, but fairly well to the point you would say you would want him in your squad, but not as a permanent starter. I mean, we can say Wambasak has improved, Luke Shaw's improved, but Luke Shaw tends to do that on a season off. You know, if he's got competition, he'll do that. How much of that is down to the manager, Marcus Rashford. And we can give Tenor credit for that because he's, you know, it's more of a game plan organised in the front um third of the field and everything. I'm not saying that Tenog doesn't deserve credit. I'm just asking the question, Paul, because I, I think he does deserve credit. So sorry if it's a leading question, but I just look at it and I think, do you think that maybe we're at the stage of the season where you're finding out a few of these players, like McTominay, like Dallow, that their ceiling, no matter how much Tenog has improved the general th surroundings at the club and the general atmosphere and the general performance levels of many players. There are certain players that have a ceiling that they're just not going to be able to push on. And we're finding that limitation in games like yesterday. McTominay did really well in the international break, but when he's asked to influence a, a, a sort of Champions League level fixture in a, a Premier League level, he's not going to dictate that. And, and it's unfair to expect that he's going to because nobody... Nobody reasonably expects him to be able to do that. So everyone was kind of thinking, oh, maybe with confidence he might be able to do that. Maybe that's an unfair level of expectation. We know that Dallo is suspect defensively. Do you think that this is the critical area now? We're, we're being fair to these players because they've, by and large, they've responded fairly well and they're not downing tools. 
but it's a different step to say maybe you're just not good enough to get us over the line for that. But and this is where we're finding that out. Well, top when you're playing for a club that wants to be at the levels of Manchester United, you have to have players that you know are going to give you a certain level of performance. And there isn't there is there's certain players that can't give back. I'd like to believe that even a manager, I mean, maybe I don't know what he was thinking, but even he was he knew in himself he knows in himself about Scott McTominay. He wasn't suddenly thinking that Scott McTominay has suddenly changed because of he'd scored, was it four goals in two internationals? Is that right? Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean surely that surely didn't get fooled by that to suddenly think it was going to happen that way because you know, he's better than that. He's been around football long enough to know he doesn't work that way. I've, I've said it from for quite a while now. For Manchester United to move up another level and to go on where they where they should be, Scott McTominay is not in your starting eleven, and that has been proven over most of this season. Where you, what the reason? One of the reasons why United are where they are. For them to go to the next level, there's other players that have got to, have got to be changed as such, and maybe not be guaranteed to play. I wonder that, you know, he starts with Dallow and he took Dallow off in the League Cup final against Newcastle because he was being rinsed, yeah. you know, by St. Maximin. But yet he starts him against against him. Again. Well, that, I think that was because Juan Masaka was poorly, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Not left with much of a choice there. Well, but... I, I, well I'll be honest, I would have looked at maybe some, I would have looked, maybe looked at Lindelof. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, who can play in that role? Who is who is a better defender? Because you're away from home, going going to a side that's got aspirations of still Champions League. You don't want to concede. You don't want to give up space. You don't want a player allowed to actually to cause your problems. So you get your best defender up. You get a better defender up against them. You yeah. know and this. You know and and it didn't it didn't go right in that sense. But you do look and going back to what you're saying, you look at certain players, Luke Shaw. I still, even though I'm amazing that the leap he's made with the, um, he had a bit of competition, the leap he's made to where he's got to now has established himself as one of the best left backs in the country. But he has moments, as we saw against Liverpool, where he, he seems to be losing it. He loses all his composure with the ball and off the ball as well. And he gets to the stage where he wants to keep fouling people, keeps, you know, wants to show a kind of a, a position of strength all the time. I'm stronger than you, rather than just being patient and waiting to get the ball. Silly fouls given away. Yeah. Call it pe- call it petulance. When you when you're under pressure away from home, being Manchester United, given how Newcastle and maybe some of the media turned it into a hate game, a revenge game for some unknown reason. Um, you needed you need the players, and if you've got the right players, they keep their heads. Um, Luke Shaw doesn't keep his head in his head in that situation. He gets embroiled in it. So there is a, quite a few players who don't who I think everyone knows maybe come in and then they go back out for for the right players to come in in that position. I still do as much as he's changed. He's had a phenomenal season. I do still worry about Marcus Rashford. I still have my reservations about him. Yes, he's scoring goals, but if he's not scoring goals. You wonder what he adds. Yeah. People say, but it's about goals. Football is about goals. There's you know too many great goal scorers around, but I do wonder sometimes that when they're not scoring goals, you need you need that little bit more from them to help when you're away from home. Away from home, you're under the cosh. You need them to be a little bit unselfish and help a little yeah. bit and dig in a bit. And he doesn't do he doesn't do that enough. And then when you get on the ball. When you finally get on the ball, you need someone to actually think about it and think, I need to keep this the best possible way rather than just run in a blind alley, lose it, throw your arms in the air and say to your, your teammates, get it back. Yeah. And I see that I see it far too often, but goals have got him out of jail. And there's no point going down that road about a little bit of criticism when someone scored a goal because that's always going to be thrown back at your wine. You need yeah. to, I think even Sir Alex has turned around and said the team needs other goal scorers. Great, no, did. Teams, did, yeah. great teams do not have one goal scorer. Yeah. They, they don't do it. You look at Manchester City at this moment in time. Every time Haaland hasn't played, City score more goals in the game and they get goal, different goal scorers. 
Yeah. They won a league, league doing it that way. If you're reliant on one goal scorer, it doesn't work. Many years ago in the mid-80s, Everton, Gary, um, Gary Lineker, I think he may have won a golden boot while at Everton in that one season. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't win the league. The following season, when Gary Lineker's gone, they win the league. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, no, I, I think you're right. Fergie did make that observation. And, you know, he's, he's not um, without his experience at, at knowing what he's talking about. I, I look at it and I think where yesterday, one of the big issues um, is, or, or the issues when neither of these players play, but I know just to bang the drum about Casemiro and Ericsson, when you don't have them there, what you don't have, as opposed to when you do have them there, apart from the quality, is the actual care with the pass now. And what I mean by that is they care about the position that they put in a teammate, and they're not just interested in playing a pass that looks good. You know, sometimes you'll go, like, for example, Fernandez can play, his vision is fantastic. He can play magnificent passes, and he played one for Anthony that was really good. But by and large, you will get, oh, Luke Shaw can play one of those nice raking passes, but they look good, and they might even reach the target. But once they reach the target, the players got like four players around them, and it's not, it doesn't actually make it a good pass. And these are the kind of metrics that statistics don't really analyse. It's like, oh, the pass is good, but look at the situation that you've put the player in, whereas Ericsson and Casemiro, they actually care about the area of the pitch that they're putting their teammate in. They, they care about what the teammate is going to do with the ball. And I don't think that you see that with a lot of... And maybe you call it a selfish thing, maybe you call it a self-preservation thing. You know, like Harry Maguire's one of those kind of players that his, his, his numbers sometimes look deceptively good. And it's because of the fact that he he's doing his job in a certain extent to like the passes being completed but that player will then lose the ball easily because they're crowded out of possession. And, you know, maybe that's why you see sometimes a player like Scott McTominay, who for 18 months at least has been accused of cowardice by some, I don't know, that's not a word that we've used on, on the podcast, but, you know, in that he doesn't show for the ball, sometimes he goes missing because of the fact that maybe a teammate isn't going to play him into a good position. Maybe they're playing players into something that gets them out of trouble, but it doesn't really help the... Um, help the the um the overall team really so ben asks a question actually then he said what what do you think it is then paul is it a lack of quality or is it mental because yesterday they didn't really look up for it at all and i think if i can jump in first just to answer it um my my opinion on it paul is just the drop off that you see when the players like particularly casemiro and ericsson when they don't play and the rhythm is missing from midfield i think that they're the longer that a game of football goes on, the players sort of regress to last season and they sort of realise, you know, I say realise, maybe they just like the self-confidence to say, we can dictate this game of football because, to be blunt, history has proven that they can't and they, you know, these players are 25, 26 and they're, they're too old to throw that insecurity off the back and, and maybe they just can't do that, which is... I mean, that's a different thing to criticising a player because of, for whatever reason, if they're just not good enough, they're not good enough. And there's no point in constantly saying, oh, that player's not good enough. You know, for, for a long time, we were talking about Eric Lindelof, uh, Eric Bayer and Vindelof, uh, Lindelof as a pair, weren't we? And we were saying, you know, they just not, they can't do it, they can't do it. And then you bring in certain players, it's like, can they can they move on with Maguire? No, they, they can move on a little bit, but they can't move on to where you want them to be. Is that where we are? I mean, that's the point, I guess I'm saying with Ben. Do you, do you think it's a lack of quality or do you think there's a mental block in there as well? I think, yeah, I think you have to bring both of them into it. There is there is a, a lack of quality with, with a few players, with a few players and, they, and they have moved on because the players around them have made a difference. They've lifted them to a level, to a level. They've virtually embarrassed them to improve on that issue in their heads to lift yeah. themselves through sheer embarrassment. Otherwise, it make things look really bad for them. They've done it. But as you know, those players, they will get back to where they were at some point because they haven't got that position, that mental strength to keep going and going. It's not implanted. And if you happen to keep asking, if you keep having to ask someone to run, then there's a problem. Yeah. It's as simple as that. If they're not willing to do it themselves, then... Yeah, you are. They're not going to do it. They'll do it for a while when things are great and everyone's seen it. And they, but the moment 
thing switched back and you're looking for it, then just them um, to do it as to be unselfish and go and do it. They're not going to do it unless you unless you've got the stick out and you can't. You're not going to change those players. So I think there's a lot of players there who would have who could have started that game and looking looking at that midfield, maybe looking there, looking there and going, this ain't right. This this ain't going to work. And that affects their game then because they've got no belief in those people around. And I think in certain ways, I think Fernandes is like that. Yeah. He looks around and he shows his frustration far too much. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't give him all your money and let him go to Las Vegas with you and let him get on the table. You wouldn't you wouldn't do it with him. You wouldn't, not in a million years. No, because I, I, it's, you know, it's every, he just show he shows it as soon as he walks in. People look at him, they go, "Yep, here we go, he's in." There's, all, you know, all, all on red. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, Mike. Mike says here talk about summer targets is rightly focused on getting a striker. But if Tenog doesn't bring in one or two centre midfielders, he'll continue to have Fred and McTominay as backups. And I think Fred's all right in terms of like he's. If you look at him as a squad option from the bench and, and the differences he made from there, and he's not, uh, he's not tasked with winning you a league title. Then I think the expectation level is different on him. But you can sort of see when McTominay plays what. Um, Tenog was hoping to get with De Jong and Casemiro together. You know what I mean? You were, you can see what's missing. You can even see what's missing from the midfield when Casemiro and Eriksen are playing because there's still a, a dynamism in there. The, the kind of uh, forward thrusting that you would see with De Jong that you don't get with the other players. I mean, Casemiro's brought it a little because he's got the ability to do that, but um, there's a natural sort of element to De Jong's play, and I think that that's the the thing is that with Casemiro and Eriksen, you do have a midfield that's capable of challenging, probably for the Premier League, you know, if you add something else in there. But if you add, Fred, and not to keep banging on the same drum, but if you don't have those to it and you look at the options that we do have, then it's the same midfield that you struggle to think could dominate any Premier League game. Yeah, no, let me ask you, let me ask you this, when you, you, you're talking about Casemiro and Eriksen, when you're, so when you talk about De Jong, are you talking about De Jong coming into that midfield as well? Yeah, no, I'm, or, no. Or, not just De Jong. I'm, I'm talking, I'm saying De Jong because he was the name that was heavily speculated. Yeah. And, um, the option that he might be a third person in that midfield, or if not De Jong, another player of that ilk, of that kind of you know profile of carrying the ball and, and being a good playmaker in with an engine that Ericsson doesn't have. Yeah, I mean. but, yeah, but I'll just look at it and, again, there's, you know, could, could be deemed as controversial because people will talk numbers. That's all it is now, to get out, to, to get to get away from something that you you can't really get into. People just throw numbers at you. But I look at it and I believe that if you're going to go to a certain level and you want to be consistent in that level, you need players who, are, of course, who are going to be consistent, but you need players who are disciplined. Now, I always look at, hasn't been mentioned yet, I look at Fernandes and I, and I would say if you're going to talk about Casemiro and an Ericsson together, you'd get, a, you'd get a, a different player in, another player in, yeah. instead of, instead of a rep to come in instead of um, Fernandes because he's ill-disciplined. And I don't mean, yes, we know about he gets volatile and when things ain't going his way, but in the way he plays, especially in the games of that magnitude, what it was, you need someone, and he's wearing an armband, and you need someone who people are going to look at, and they're suddenly going to go, he's chilled. Yeah. He's relaxed. You want poker face, don't you, really? Yeah, yeah. And and he hasn't got that about him, as I mentioned, about the Las Vegas situation. So he needs that. And I just, and some, I've lo loads will disagree with me. I know that already, because they'll throw his numbers at goal, assist, assist. And yeah, they're great, but you still need to do it when you're away from home in a big game, you need someone who's going to sit in there and people can look at, and when they're a little bit shaky, you can look at and they, and he's just going to them, give me it, doing that. And it gives you a chance. And then you, you're hoping, you're hoping by him doing that to a player, that he's going to come in, but he hasn't got that about him because he's fighting his own game. Yeah. He's, he's fighting. And you can see it. He's battling himself. 
to keep himself calm and it's erratic. And it didn't, it needed some someone to be calm. And we can both name midfield players. I can talk about players who I played with. You can talk about all the midfield players you watched in similar situations at Manchester United. I would, you know, we could talk about when we go that go to Newcastle and Eric scores that, that goal, doesn't he? At the far post, comes in off the right and bang. That was in a similar kind of time. That kind, and everything about it was very similar. Yeah. And you had and you, you had play you, and you look at it and you had someone like Eric and Eric was as we know about Eric, but all it needed was for say, i.e. the boss, Brian Robson or somebody to go and talk to him. And it incredible. And yet you look then you'd look at him and you go, Yep, there's somebody who's a leader of men. Yeah. Not by doing that and doing that, just by the way they played. Yeah. And that's what yeah. and that's and I look at it and you think to yourself, when it's right. Fernandez, perfect, but more times it's wrong. But and that's where I look at stats and all that. They're the bits that stats can't can't give you, and that's why you have to watch a game of football rather than look at stats to judge a player. Look at the football, then look at the stats, then look at the football again. Yeah. And stats can hide so much, Wayne, as you as you know. And I just think I look at Casemiro, what he gives. Massive presence, calmness on the ball, calmness without the ball, a stare that a stare that mostly would frighten his mum. Um, and you look at Ericsson when you give him the ball, he lends it to people. When he gives it in, and then he can find that pass when needed. When you're under the cost, that one in behind. When you're looking to a team squeezing up to go behind, and then you might look at a Dion in there. You just might, but. As I always keep saying, there's a reason why Fernandez is at the highest level at, he, at this time in his career. There's a reason why he's there here now and not before. Yeah, I, my, I think you're dead on with what you said there, and it sort of ties into what I was saying earlier with the, um, you know, because we see, I know that you and I see football in that same way about numbers and stats and everything, and it's like what I was saying. You know, a pass is a pass, and it might look good on the numbers, but um, it might not look good on the pitch, depending on the situation that you've put a player in. Um, and we don't. I, I think one of the things, observations that I'm coming out with this season, isn't so much that we need. You know, like because our plan A is, let's say A. Like if we give it letter grades, plan A is A is good enough to challenge. Plan B is D or E. And you might say, or someone else might say, well, you need plan B to be like a B or B minus or something. And United, actually, what they actually need, probably, if we're going to be deadly harsh about this, is because Casemiro's 31 and Ericsson's the same kind of age. You're going to need a plan A ready to take over from Casemiro and Ericsson. You need a plan A. The, the, whoever they're bringing in, they've got to be knocking on that door. They can't be just g- good enough backup to them now. They've got to be challenging to take their place. And yeah, challenge tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the summer for sure. Um, and Vegas, I mean, you mentioned him earlier. I don't want to sort of get too much on his back because he's come in, he's done that job. Um, I think we are at that tipping point where you see the quality um, is holding United back somewhat. And maybe, I mean, it's asking six weeks out of him. Martial, he's not only in the last chance saloon, he's at last orders at last chance saloon. So, I mean, wherever he's going to fit in, I don't know what... I don't think six weeks is enough time for him to save his career, but six weeks has got to be enough time for him to be self-motivated to think I've at least got to try and get a good move out of this because, you know, it. and United need that. Because he can be a good player, he can be a great player, and United are going to need that sort of good to great in the next sort of six weeks. Um, because really, you, like you mentioned earlier in in the podcast, we've said it a few times this season, I jokes about it after the derby, you know, oh, are we in the title conversation? I wanted to believe it, but we would always return to the fact of, well, look at where we were at the start of the season. Look at the the sort of fragility that the squad has if we miss one or two players and unfortunately has come back to bite us. But this is through, this is adversity that happens to every team just about in every season. So it's how United respond from that. And um, they're going to respond to it, Paul, by playing against Brentford and Everton, two teams in very different veins of form. We'll start with Brentford, an entertaining draw at Brighton at the weekend, the seventh in the table. Um, if that's surprising, 
they've only lost five times. Five times in the Premier League season. United have lost seven already. And without being condescending, I reckon at this point, they're at seventh place. They're probably, you know, they're not involved in that relegation scrap that goes up to mid-table, even though they're, you know, the seventh, they're, they're well above that. Without wanting to be condescending, they must be at that point where they're saying, we'll just see where the season takes us from here. Maybe European football, they've got a hope about that. But they've got kind of like a free hit for sort of 10 or 11 games. And that's very dangerous for a team like Brentford, who already took us apart earlier in the season. If they're playing with liberation, that's quite dangerous for a team like United at the moment, isn't it? Oh, it is. Without a doubt. That's going to be that's going to be talked about from today until that game. That's always going to be thrown up there in the media is about what happened at Brentford early in the season. I actually sat and I... I watched quite a bit of their game. Sat here at home, watched quite a bit of their game against um, against Brighton at the weekend. Yeah. Brighton absolutely ran them ragged. It could have been it could have been fourteen <laughs> three. It was absolutely incredible. The football at Brighton just all around them, but Brentford don't stop. They got you know they got people who are cause cause you problems. Um, we don't keep the ball anywhere near as good as Brighton. Mm. Anywhere near. It, it just, it just the way they the way they're set up just don't. So we have to you have to say not gonna have as much of the they're not gonna have as much as the ball what Brighton had against Brentford. But Brentford have got a lot of players, pacey players who get up and back. They play away from home and they don't hope to get a result. They believe they can get a result. They've got yeah. that they've got that good kind of arrogance about them. Everyone questions the manager with his arrogance, but he's got a, a winning arrogance. He believes in his team. Every time there's a, a job, you know, anything, someone loses their job, they mention his name all the time for every job. That's because he's doing well. But he's a, he's a clever man and he knows that, he knows that there's no job's going to suit the job he's got at Brentford because the way the club is set, set up, it makes his job easy because he chooses his own players. Yeah. You know, a bit like, a bit like Graham Potter, you know. <laughs> You know, he couldn't turn it down and he ends up going to a club where he's got no say in anything and takes away his managerial skills. So he's cleverer than that to go and do that. So he's got, a, when you talk about a team spirit, Brentford have got that something that the club has had from their days in the old third division. When I yeah. used to play against them in a pre-season local derby as a QPR player, we used to beat them, but we had so many players injured for the first game of the season because the game always ended up in fights. Yeah, so, and so, so they're off the back. Of, they are a proper. It's it's their written. It's up there on the in the thing community around the stadium and that. But it's a fact. They are what they are, you know. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a it's not the game that United needed after that Newcastle game with a drab performance, you know, and poor result. It's not what they need. But but then what it is, it's a learning experience for the manager. Because again. He's, he's going to be able to see a lot of the players and really have a good think about them for next season. Yeah. Really have a good think about them and find out more about them again from the weekends prior prior to the weekend. And now he's going to see him in a game like this where he's looking for someone to show a bit of backbone, really, in this in this fixture. But I, that's one. I think fans are very much the same as Wayne. The same, the same as what you're thinking, Wayne. They're like this with this game. It's not a game that's needed. It needed a week free. Yeah. That's not going to happen if you're if you're Manchester United when you're in an FA Cup and the Europa League. It's not going yeah. to happen. It's funny because you mentioned Brentford and community, and I think you're dead right with that. And also, I think that was the thing that we were all hoping for with this United squad that they um, under Ten Hag and under the improvement that the um, players who've been brought in have provided that it added this sense of unity that. Um, that was lacking last season. And when those players haven't been there, it looks like that disunit is still there, really, which is very concerning. That's the one concerning thing I do have, is that I would have thought that the, the goodwill around the club would have removed that. But it seems to be that maybe it's anxiety about um, futures at the club. I, I look at it and think, if ever a game where you need to show that kind of unit is against Brentford, well, I don't think... It, it's difficult to manufacture that if it's not there. You can't just create it and, and pretend it exists because it has to exist in games like um, the, the Brentford game. The, the flip side to that is 
even if they, you know, the quality over that kind of community, sometimes it does pull through. So United might well win. They might not. I mean, like Mike says here, having Ericsson and Martial back should help the quality and, you know, for, for the various reasons. And Ericsson might be back on Wednesday, let's say, and Martial might start, and that might be enough to push United through. I don't think, or, or I would hope that the manager wouldn't be looking at that thinking, oh, that's papered over a few cracks because the answer isn't in getting a result or performance against Brentford. Well, maybe a performance against Brentford would be a good stick, yard stick. But it's about turning up at the next Newcastle or turning up at the next City away. You know, the, the away games where United have been so, they flattered to deceive so much. They really need to pull out a performance in one of those games where, to be fair, it looked like they were doing at Arsenal because they stood up to that and they stood up to the rhythm of that game for a long time. But we did have Ericsson in that game, and we, you know, we didn't have Casemiro, but we did have Ericsson. Um, Larry, just to return to an earlier point that you, you were saying, Paul, but I know it's a comment that you've made before, and Larry's a first time commenter, so I'll give him a chance to get your response on this. He says, Hi, guys, I think Luke Shaw is an excellent footballer without being an excellent defender. My issue with him is that when the chips go, go down, he goes missing. Um, I think that first sentence, Paul, is something that you would agree with, right? He's an excellent footballer without being an excellent defender. Sometimes when he's when he's in really good form and, and that's his level of concentration, he can be an excellent defender. He can be an excellent defender, but um, I think the general rule of him being a good footballer without being a good defender is probably a fair assessment. Yeah, w- without a doubt. And... The thing that makes him look good because he gets and he gets on the button. When when United are going forward, that takes away what's going the other way. So we yeah. don't see that side of him. But when you see him under the cosh, that's when he loses his discipline, and that's when he starts trying to block people. That's when he's shoving unnecessarily. So he, he becomes very lazy as a defender. He doesn't really want to work hard going the other way, yeah. and which is obviously he's lost as the years gone on. Because when he was at Southampton as a youngster. He was he was excellent. He was like somebody, and you know, he's a South London boy as well. And I just he he was like another Kenny Sanson in the way he played. He was tenacious. He was quick with and without the ball. And you see when he gets forward, his dribbling skills and his fantastic left foot, very much like Kenny Sanson in the way he played. And big things were expected of him, and and they were until the point of when he initially got that injury. That you know when he with that leg in Europe. And it's taken a while to bounce back, but you can see it. And the reason why he's left back for his country, because he's been playing that well consistently. But then when, it's, when it has gone wrong in certain games, which you've seen over the last few weeks, he has, he has really, really disappointed. Really, and he's gone back into his old ways. So, so on that part, you know, on that part of it, I, I have to, that first part of the question, I, I would have to, I'd have to agree. Yeah. I think the thing is though, like he does bounce. He's resilient. Obviously, he's resilient. He's. I think the the news is that he's been rewarded with a new contract, and I think he deserves that. Whether or not he's the defender that um, is in the team at left back next time United win a league title, I'm not sure. But um, he, I, I would say where I, earlier on I said that Martial, whatever happens in the next six weeks, he'll probably get moved on. We don't have that danger with Luke Shaw. You know, he, he should recover. Hopefully, he will recover his, his form and confidence. And um, United will have a fullback capable of, of being a first teamer for the next two or three years. We'll be fighting with Malassia, and hopefully, that'll bring out the best in each other. Um, just want to see Malassia kick on as well. Um, so, after Brentford, Paul, it's going to be Everton. Very different um, configuration with Everton. They're in the bottom three. The Recent forms being poor. They sacked Frank Lampard, who was manager last time they came here in the Cup in January. Um, they look like the kind of team who could get sucked into that sort of whirlwind that's happening in the relegation zone. You know, like because no, apart from Southampton, there doesn't seem to be a team who's kind of like really anchored into it. And Everton look like they've got the kind of storm of problems that will keep them in in that issue, um, which still doesn't make it an easy game for United if they can't control the middle of the, the pitch on Saturday, on Sunday against Everton. Um, on Saturday, I think, 12th of the day. Um, 
what, what do you make of that one? I mean, we, it's going to be difficult for different reasons at the Brentford game. is because you're going to look at a team who are coming to Old Trafford unapologetically trying to get a point, right? Yeah, I mean, they don't score generally more than one goal in a the game. <laughs> they don't generally concede more than two goals. But it's about... they, they could. It's, it's not going to be a pretty game at all. You can't expect it to be that. Unless Manchester United... The old the adages or the football the football speak is you hope that you'll go you'll go there as a fan and you say to yourself I really hope we score early as a fan you'll say that and then that that, comp- that completely changes the whole context of what Everton are going to have to do it that, it will completely change it the longer that game goes on at nil nil it's, it's gonna it's gonna get maybe a little bit nail biting especially with dead ball situations with certain players that haven't got who can maybe pull something out of the hat. But Everton are in that position. There's a lot of teams who are very, very fortunate down there, but there's 12 teams in it. There's never, this time of the season, we normally got at least one team that we've nailed to the wall, you're going down. Yeah. There's not one at this moment in time. Someone might come out and say Southampton. Well, I was, I was there yesterday at Southampton game and they were poor. West Ham were poor, but in a better way because of they won the game, and that's and that's all you can say. You know, when you got a set of headphones on you on there, and you suddenly realise I can't go home here. I've got to stay to the end and talk about this. That's when you realise that you know that you're having a bad day at the office because it was dreadful. The yeah. game it was hard to talk about, and when you look at that, you look at Everton, and Everton will fall into that as well. It's the way they've been. It's what they've become. We all know they've got you know the issues straight away, rather than people try and talk anything positive about Everton or you know we talk about their football. Everyone starts looking at the monetary issues now with Everton if they go down. And that's and that's what the talk's going to be about if they go down and FFP in the Championship. And so that's where Everton have fallen to at this moment in time, which is such a shame for a club like that. So the two games that United have got at home a few years back quite a few years back, nailed on six points, guaranteed six points without a shadow of a doubt. Everyone would have been there on it. It would take seriously brave people to say that United are going to walk away with it from their next two home games with six points. Yeah. We're not that brave. Um, I, I'm not, certainly, I'm not going to be doing that. But, you know, to look at it in a positive aspect, you know, six points considering the run that United have been on, six points by the time that we're talking next Monday morning will be transformational in terms of how it sets up United's last sort of few games of the season because it really will help give them a buffer um, in, in the top four, which, you know, they desperately need. So It will do. I mean, sorry, Wayne, but you look at the bottom, you go and win two two games and you're in that, you're in that bottom 12. Well, West Ham, because they scored that one goal, they went from 19th to 14th. That's how mad it was, you know. And you know that if United were to win the two games, and we're yeah. talking about by next, talking again next Monday, that would make a big difference because we know that there's going to be things that are going to happen up there, which is going to it's going to change again. There's yeah. no there there isn't guarantees at this moment in time in the Premier League when you do look at it. Yeah, you know, the only team that's really showing anything really of any great consistency is a team that's at the top of the league. Yeah, they're, they're the only ones really. City have had their ups and downs and whatever, but I mean, maybe they're getting to the point where they're looking at what they're doing, and maybe Haaland not being available might get them back to them, the ones who are when you put them down as guaranteed three points. But at the moment, there's one team who you turn around and say, We're going to get three points. Yeah. Hopefully, I put, I put something on it now, they might not go and get those three points at the week, next, their next fixture, but yeah. Know, but nope. they're the only ones. I think it's interesting though you say that because there's been a lot of renewed conversation about the quality of the league over the last sort of six weeks or so. And I think, you know, you're you're saying that you went to a relegation scrap and the quality was of two teams who really are in the mess. Uh, you know, one ended up, ended up in 14th at the end of the day. And I think sooner or later, a lot of people are going to sort of look at the truth with this league because United, like I said, at least when they lost games in the past, it would be like, well, they, they ended the game like 
throwing everything at it and looking like they were going to get something out of it. And yesterday they could have played 180 minutes and they would have probably only ended up with three shots on target or something like that. Yeah. Um, not enough to win the game. And yeah. I, I, I look at that and I think we, if United, this United team, with such a drop-off in chasm in quality when they're just missing two players can still be in comfortable contention for the Champions League and the other teams in there are, are Spurs with their, all their problems and Liverpool with all of their problems as well. You think, good grief then. And like you mentioned, City are sort of fleeting with their consistency. Arsenal are the only consistent side and they're... They're comfortably at the top, and the rest of the division looks like a mess. And I, I maintain that even with United, like you know, I, I don't think that United winning or losing is an indication of the strength of the league. I just think sometimes you look at it and you say, if United are higher, like they're finishing higher than what they were last season, you know what I mean, in the top seven, I would have wouldn't have expected their finishing. You know, their their actual quality of squad. Yeah, I would. I will ask. I will ask Wayne. Not asking you the question. I just, I'm just me myself, and I get my own little bit now. What actually makes the league the best, the so-called best league in the world? When we got Liverpool and Man City at the top of the league, and they both got ninety odd points, this is the greatest league in the world by by that by that media company on the TV. But then when we're in this situation, we're not hearing it. But as a foot as as a football fan. And I'm a football fan because I love I love football, not because I support a team or anything like that. You're 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 a big football fan. You love your football club, but you love football as well. Wouldn't this be a great? Isn't this a great a good league now? Because we've got competition. The league is interesting. Six weeks on, we don't know who's going to win the league. We do not know who's going to finish in the bottom three. Not one name. You know, people are having punts here, but we, there's nothing guaranteed because of the margins. Middle of the table, we do not know who's going to get guaranteed Champions League. We do not know who's champion Europa League or the Conference League. So this, in my opinion, makes this league the best league in, in at least Europe because there's competition in every position in that league. So that, I mean, that's my way. Not because of all of a sudden two teams have got ninety odd points and they're the greatest teams ever because they got ninety odd points. That tells you that the league is rubbish because yeah. they can take points at will whenever they want. Oh, we'll have that point. We just take that. Now they everyone is having to work hard. This is like football league, early Premier League at this moment in time when we could go to Selhurst Park and play against Wimbledon or Palace and we're under the threat of being beaten. Every time yeah. we went there, there were no fan would go. Oh, this is a gimme. There was no guarantees. We're now over last season, last number of seasons, it's been Man City, Liverpool, whoever going there and going. Well, that's three points. What are the rest of them going to do there? I, th- I think it's really good for the for football fan to be enjoying this moment. Yeah, no, I I, I, agree. I see what you're saying. I I, I would say that there are two areas in which I look at it. Look at it, and it's quality and competitiveness. Now, I completely agree with. I, I think that if you've got two teams racketing close to 100 points or over that, that's a sign of no competition in the league, and I don't think that's a, an indication of a good league. Um, I, I still, I'm not sure, but if it's better to have the competition that we've got this season, I don't know if that translates into better quality because, like you said. You know, like I, I'm thinking of early Premier League years, and I think I can remember Everton playing Wimbledon in a relegation game, and it was fantastic to watch. It was like three Oldham being on the verge of relegation, but getting to the semi-finals. And I, sometimes you do get those kind of odd stories. Um, I just the way that I look at it is like City will always kind of respond by hoovering up like the best players. Um, Newcastle are now in a position where they'll be stockpiling. The, uh, you know, like they'll be stockpiling Ivan Tony, for example. Players like who've impressed from the mid mid sort of region Premier League clubs, they'll be hoovered up by the likes of Newcastle. And then it creates this sort of top end of it looks like the, the top end of the league is stacked with quality, but it, it doesn't really always turn out that way. And I don't know, it's just um I, I'm still undecided on whether I think it's improving in quality. 
because of that level in competition, but I prefer to see this level of competition. Um, like I said, with a team like Arsenal, as much as I don't like Arsenal, but I prefer to see them at the top rather than two teams racketing over 100 points just because of the fact that they've become more consistent and they can easily defeat the, the smaller sides. And I, th- I think the proof in the pudding, and don't get me wrong, you watch West Ham play Southampton, that's two teams fairly low on confidence who are struggling. You do still get entertaining games at the bottom of the league. You know what I mean? You will get those in, in the mid-table and everything like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I agree with the general opinion that, that it's better than it was, whether or not I still think it, it's reflective of a team, a league that calls itself the best in the world. I'm not so sure. Um, but then again, you look at that stockpiling of squad players and everything and look at the damage that that's done to the Italian game, to the Spanish game, to the, the German game and whether or not there's quality there as well. Maybe it's yeah. just, maybe I'm just getting old and grumpy, Paul. Football's not what it used to be like. Uh, no, no, I mean, I've been talking about all that for ages. I've been talking about the Spanish and the Italians league and what they've done many years ago, the Italians. They made, they just made, they put up, they put up restrictions to stop so many foreign players coming in, didn't they? So yeah. they could produce their own and, have we got to go that way? Have we got to go that way to protect our own players rather than everybody and just allowing all this money just to be spent, spent and use that word stockpiling with virtually, you know, cramping players' abilities to play, to play football because they're, they're all going to chase the money and just go and happy to be at a big club but play maybe 15, 20 games a season. How does that make sense? Yeah. You know, that's, so... That's the direction. That's the direction at the moment. Um, one of the things that I'm proud about United for, at least like generally speaking, they'll give more chances than most clubs will to, to youth players, and it, it still means something in that regard. Mm. Um, anyway, Monday morning, moan over and done with. Let's hope that next Monday morning we're, we're happy because it's a very positive week. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, be sure to give us a like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done that already. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to give us a review on the platform you're listening on. We'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.